Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Again, working through some video issues, but it's not going to affect the quality if you're listening to this audio version of the Intentional Encourager podcast. And it's a good thing that you decided to listen to the audio version today because I have an absolute rock star with me today. He is killing it right now in all of his different platforms. And he is the author of the book, Outrank. His company, SEO National, is doing some fantastic things. You can find them. Uh, with search engines. We're going to talk about search engines and the power of search engines. And his podcast, Learning from Others, is a dynamic resource that you can go to as well. And I'd encourage you to check out his podcast called Learning from Others. He is the host of that podcast, the author of Outrank, so many other things. Damon Burton joins me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Damon, how are you doing today, man? Good, Brian. I appreciate the opportunity to chat. And I know before we hit record, we were talking about my my little weekend trip with my son in San Diego. And, and I actually have a story from that I'll share with you. Depending Go on for it. Let's just do it now, here. man. Go just, just share it. Yeah. You, you know, it's, you know, you know, you talk about obviously giving. And um, so there's a gentleman named Mo Gines. What's up, Mo, if he listens to this. And him and I connected on, on Facebook and we've just kind of like encouraged each other. And he does his thing in health and fitness. And I obviously do my thing in SEO. And so we've just kind of hit up a, a loose friendship. And, and anytime I travel somewhere, if there's somebody that I genuinely have an interest in, I train connect with them. So I sent him a message about two weeks ago and I said, Hey, I'm going to be in San Diego with my son. You got, you want to just go grab coffee in the morning and we'll just meet up for like an hour. And so I met Mo yesterday. And, um, what's funny is I'm like, uh, I'm like the king of random gifts. And so every, anytime I meet somebody, I don't want to give like, like a half-ass gift or like a, 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 a non-sincere gift. And so I try and come up with these bizarre things. And our, our West Virginia friend that I told you about, like I yeah. sent her one of those squirrel picnic tables because <laughs> she looks out her window all the time and she sees all these squirrels in her yard. So Mo being in fitness, me being an SEO, I, I ordered him this custom trophy that said um, SEO Nationals most optimized website. But then I had website struck out and put body because he's a fitness coach. <laughs> And so this is most optimized body. And so he's, he's posting it all over social media this morning and me and him meeting up and he was super cool. And, and, you know, that's just me, but I, I kind of forget about how that's an icebreaker. And he even brought that up. He's, he says, dude, this was so cool that you brought me this. And it meant so much that you take the time because I obviously had to order it and proactively think about it and pack it and all this stuff. And, and he's like, man, that means a lot. And, and just the fact that this is such a good icebreaker and you just forget about those things. And after that, that's the first time we met in person. We're like best buddies. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Damon, that, that goes to what you and, and how you and I got connected because you put a post on LinkedIn several months ago and you said, hey, I'm looking for people that want to be, a, I've got a podcast. If you want to be a part of it, let me know sharing your platform with other people, you were intentional about that. What was the impetus behind you really getting intentional to share something you built with so many other people? Well, a lot of it's kind of similar to what you and I talked about when we were chatting the other day about, I don't really have, this is going to sound, some people are, what I'm about to say, they're going to be like, that guy's an idiot, but <laughs> I don't really have a direction with my podcast and that's intentional. 
because I just enjoy, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy the relationships. Have I enjoy you been dropping on conversations that people have had with me? Like this guy's an idiot, like myself, like this guy, <laughs> yeah. this guy an idiot, you know, that, no, that I, I get said that about, you know, that's, that's been said about me for years, but I wouldn't think that about you. You're a pretty brilliant guy. So. No, I appreciate that. But I had this, I had this, uh, a great example is I had a, a uh, an upcoming podcast guest and she says, well, why do you do this? And I'm like, cause I like to. And she says, well, aren't you, you know, do you monetize this? Do you do this and that and this and that? And I said, sure, I've got business out of it, but that's just coincidental. And, and I finally jokingly, but somewhat sincerely, I said, damn it, isn't just being happy good enough? <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the podcast was, you know, you meet great people. I've, I've had a lot of cool things come of it. And um, one example is, my dad is a Minnesota Vikings fan. I have no idea he's why he's never been to Minnesota. He has now, but in, until I took him last year, he'd never been to Minnesota. Um, he'd never seen a Vikings game. But the reason why I bring this up is because I met um, one of my podcast guests lives in Minnesota and same kind of thing. When I met up with Mo, I hit him up and I said, Hey, I I'm taking my dad to a Minnesota Vikings game. You're in Minnesota while we're there. Do you want to meet up? And, and it's just been like these really unique, circumstances that you can't manufacture otherwise that you're kind of gifted that it, 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 the, the best word I can come up with is wild card I just like the wild card factor of of meeting people on a sincere level with no you know no ulterior motive behind it and really just hey what's up Brian <laughs> yeah yeah and Damon that's the beautiful part about it is because again you know we 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 you and I are, you know, we're, we're active on LinkedIn. We do, we, we do some, some stuff on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And it feels like those platforms are more for what you can get from them mm -hmm. than what you can give to them. Where have you found yourself really getting to those deeper levels in those platforms? Can you think of a specific interaction that had like an aha moment for you? Like, okay, this is why I do what I do because of this? Was it meeting Mo or was it connecting with the guy in Minnesota or did it's, you just have that moment where it just clicked? Um, yes and no. I mean, I've always kind of been this way where um, I'm, I'm cool with delayed gratification and, you know, not having any expectations and, and just kind of rolling with things. But then, but then there, there was a moment, I don't, I don't have a specific moment, but over time I started to realize that, there was a return in this that I just came with the territory. And so that certainly, I wouldn't say it, it's not my motivator, but it reinforced like, this is a, this is okay to do this and not expect things and meet people without trying to get, you know, engagement and business from them. And sure as it comes from it anyway, but that's just a bonus. And really at the end of the day, it just is nice to meet people. Um, you know, if, if you want kind of a more extreme example, I went on a podcast and um, a couple weeks later after it aired, I had this younger 20-something year old message me and he said, hey, I just want to really thank you for um, being transparent and, and communicating that you can make the best out of bad circumstances. And then where it was really interesting is he starts to talk about um, it really resonated with my eating disorder and my depression. 
I didn't say a single thing even remotely close to eating disorders and depression. Like I was on there talking about starting a business and grinding it out and, you know, being a dad, but something in that discussion where I was just like, here's my life and here's how I've made the most, you know, the best out of the worst resonated with him on a completely different level. And so the first thing I wrote back was, a, thanks. B, do you have the right Damon Burton? <laughs> because, it was, and I even told him, I said, because he was talking about health and, and, and there's like a Damon Burton who I think he's in college football now and every once in a while I see his name pop up. And I said, are, are you talking about this other guy? And he said, no, 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 it's you. And so you don't, you, you have no idea the way you're going to communicate and connect with other people. Um, I'm a marketer guy. I'm a dad. Like I don't have any dramatic stories, but I just come on and share what those stories are. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what we all want is just to be like, oh yeah, okay, I'm not alone or I can relate to that. Well, and, and that's exactly why I started doing this podcast in this format because, and, and we were talking the other day when I was on your podcast that, you know, there were a lot of guys out there that did expertise and sales and things like that. And I'm like, that's cool. You go do that. I'll go do this because I think everybody's looking for unique. I think everybody's looking for mm -hmm. something different that they can go to and go, hey, this is not like everybody else. Like you don't run your business like most people run their business. You didn't write your book when most people write their book. And so that's the thing is, is unique is always going to be marketable, right? I mean, that's what companies do. They iterate, they, they take the next version of what they're doing because if they're, if they're repackaging the same old crap, well, guess what? It's still the same old crap. It's just repackaged. It's remarketed in some way or fashion. I gotta ask you this, through the pandemic, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from this time? I mean, this all started for, for, for most of us early to mid-March. Now, mm -hmm. as we're recording this, we're on the, we're in the verge of September. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest lesson you've learned through the last five and a half months that was a real aha moment for you? I'd probably have to answer it similar to the question earlier um, about, at what point did you notice, you know, giving was something you wanted to do? I, I don't, I haven't, I've been very intentional about my whole life. And I was actually talking to Mo about this and he was kind of, Mo's 25, I'm 39. And, and so he was like, how, how long have you been married? Well, what sparked his question was. Dude, you're 39. Mm -hmm. Good grief, man. I got, whatever you're drinking out there, where <laughs> you live, I got to have that, man. I mean, I wouldn't, I would you you look tremendous for 39 man i'm i'm just like i god god love you you got some you, you got some killer genes and some good juice man whatever's so, flowing through you know, there you know what's weird about this i've i've uh, i i appreciate that but um i've started to kind of know like once you hit this is so funny all these conversations that i had with mo because i said dude you got to grind it so he goes this will kind of touch on multiple things in one big circle um so he goes um when you had kids, what, what changed? Because he knew, so my oldest is nine and I started my business 14 years ago. And so he goes, when you had kids, what, did it change anything? And I said, no, not for me, because I've been very intentional about my life. And so I'm the oldest of seven. I saw how quickly kids grow up. I took a lot of responsibility with my younger siblings. And so I knew what I would be walking into at the point when my wife and I had kids. And so we waited five years to have kids. And so I, I grinded everything out and so when we did have kids, then of course I still grind it out, but it's on my schedule, you know, and not on the schedule of somebody else's. 
And so um, he was talking about, uh, I got so many things running through my head. I'm trying to keep this all in one linear discussion. Hey, man, it's so, a good, we, got, we got plenty of time, man. You know, all we got is time. So, yeah, you, you go wherever you want to go. Yeah, so he's, uh, so he's asking, well, what changed? And I said, Not, nothing really because, you know, I, I wanted to grind it out before I had kids. So I did my, at the time, my wife worked at a hospital. And so she woke up at 4 o'clock and I said, sure, I'll. I'll wake up at four o'clock. And so I, you know, do the 20 hour days and, um, it, it, him just talking about what you go through and, and being intentional with your own life is something that I think, uh, people can take more ownership in. And, and I even went to coffee last week with a good friend as well. And he said, um, you know, what's there, let's, let's pause there. I'm losing you edit this later? Yeah, go, go. go I, I lost my train gotta, of thought here. No, do um, what well, you got to do. Just keep rolling, man. You're good. This is, listen, we're not, we don't edit stuff out here. Editing's hard. You know, just, just, you know, we want a good conversation. But I'll say this. Let me jump in here. You know, for, for a lot of people, Damon, the grind is what they live for, right? Mm -hmm. The grind is what they, you know, you mentioned your wife get up at like four in the morning you grind it out for 20 hours a day. Man, at some point, when when you do that, it's like we say here in West Virginia, if you're going to dance to the music, you got to pay the band. And yeah. at some point, you pay the band with your health. I mean, those things are just not good. But people just decide, if I'm going to get from point A to point B, and I'm going to get to this level, that's what I got to do, man. I got to work harder than everybody else. I got to grind it harder than everybody else. When you were in your early 20s and you and your wife got together and you were grinding it for 20 hours, were there days that you just were like, why am I doing this? Or, or did you just power through the grind? I just powered through it. I, uh, this will be a good topic because I always had a, a co fairly confident assumption that I would be self-employed, but I didn't know in what capacity. I, I certainly didn't know that SEO was a thing back then. Um, and, but I think that contributes to the ability to get where I'm at today is that I didn't force myself to pick a path. And so I, I often talk about that I kind of dated my, my jobs and careers. And so when you're, when you're dating somebody, you go, okay, well, I like this part of the relationship and I don't like this. And so then as you move on to the next career, I said, okay, well, I don't like those things. So don't take that job, but I do like these things. And so then you date that job further. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of dated my careers until I said, okay, well, SEO is something that I like. It's something that will maintain my interest. It's something that can provide financial stability. And so I think there's a lot to be said about not forcing yourself to pick a path and kind of experiment. And probably even more so now with social media because social media glorifies the whole entrepreneur story as it should to an extent, but you don't know, as we said, the grind behind it. And there's all these kind of cliche sayings about overnight, overnight success usually takes about 10 years and that's well, Damon, pretty, pretty accurate. And I'll jump in here just real quick. People watch Shark Tank and they say, well, man, I've got a great idea or I think I can do something there. And they see the finished product, but they never see all the steps mm -hmm. that it takes to, to get that business to where one, it's profitable and two, the idea is marketable. And three, the idea is something that actually people want to buy. So you've got to take those steps. And, and there are really, you know, I watch Shark Tank or something. And I mentioned Shark Tank just because 
it, it has shown people, and, and I think to some degree, it's given a lot of people hope to be entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But in some cases, it's like it, it kind of makes it easy for people to be entrepreneurs. And it's not that easy. Well, they think it is. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And they go, okay. And you look at it like, man, that's a really good idea. And the sharks go, but you haven't made any money. And you, you're kind of part-time investing in this. Mm -hmm. And it's not scalable. And when you take on an investor, they want their money. They want to return on investment very quickly. And, and so I think that the, the, it's never been easier to be an entrepreneur than it is today. But, it, but to your point, social media has created a false sense that it's really easy to be an entrepreneur today when the same blocking and tackling concepts that it's always taken to be an entrepreneur never change, right? I mean, you go, go there for a minute because I think there are people out there that go, man, I've got this really killer idea and I think I can do something with it. I want you to go there for a second because it's not that easy. I, I just, I feel like we need to park on the grind. Well, that, there's, a, there's a couple of things that come to mind on that topic because the whole investor thing, I've watched from afar several friends build and sell businesses or take on investors. And I actually just had a conversation with a good friend on, on just three days ago. And when you take on investors, like part of your love for that business is going to die. Like it is going to rot away because they investors are in it purely for profit. They don't care one bit about your mission statement. They generally speaking, um, and so when you sell a percentage, whether it's the minority or majority, you give up some of that control. And so I've never taken on funds, and you know, in the early days, sure it'd be nice to accelerate things, but at the same time. Like you, you learn some really amazing things along the way. And, and we were talking about this last week. Like it's, you can take courses and have mentors and learn like bigger things and accelerate that learning curve. But it's the little things that are going to make a big difference uh, that you pick up along the way. And, and if you take that money, like you're going to try You're going to shortcut a lot of that stuff, which may sound sexy, but it's going to bite you later. Um, I mean, I have, I have a couple friends now that have massive projects that took on multi-million dollars in funding and, and they're killing it financially. He's, he's only three or four months into the, the one gentleman I'm thinking specifically, he's only three or four months into the investor money that he's taken on financially. They're doing awesome. He's miserable, absolutely miserable. And, and that was just something that came between me and him. And he's, I mean, he's like, dude, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about exiting for this, huge amount of money. And I said, first of all, congratulations, but you could feel on the phone call in his tone of voice that the money didn't even matter at this point. He was just so miserable. Well, the air had been sucked out of the room, Damon. I mean, the, the minute that money came in to your point, and I love what you said there about taking on investors. And, and, and I love where our conversation's going because I think there are people that are listening to this conversation that are thinking in the back of their minds, investing in things or having people invest in them. And there's always a risk when you bring somebody else in to invest in something that's yours because they don't see it like you do. It's dollars and cents. When you started your company, talk about mission statements. When you started your company, what was the one thing looking back now, 14 years later, that you say, man, if I could go back in time, I would do this instead of what I did when I started my company. 
Not a lot that, you know, I've been asked this question before and probably the closest thing I could come up with is I probably would have scaled a little bit sooner. So I, I, I can walk you through a little bit of the story. So when I first started my company, it was a one man show for the first year, year and a half because early twenties, self-employed. Awesome. <laughs> so that was, that was good enough, you know? And then after a year or two, I was, I, I realized, well, I actually have something going on here. I should probably do something with this. And so then I started taking on VAs and, and what happened is I was listening to probably in the same general time span of a couple months, I listened to four hour work week and then E-Myth revisited. And so four hour work week is about, you know, how to build processes and or how to how to kind of hack your business a little bit. And then E-Myth revisited is how to make your business scalable and dependent on processes instead of individual people's skill sets. And so the combination of those at the same time, and ironically, at the same time, I had a VC company said, hey, we're, we're buying this other marketing company, but they don't do what you do. What if we buy you both and kind of roll them together? And so I went and had this discussion just to see what it was all about. And I backed out of it. It was gross and slimy and I didn't want to continue with it. And for those that, for those in the conversation, I want to jump in there real quick. For those in the conversation, VC is venture capital. So basically, there are companies that exist to fund companies like your, like your company. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll come yeah. in and, and invest. And, and for a percentage of equity of that business or ownership of that business, they'll invest capital into that business. It can scale you or take your business to the next level. When you think about that, because again, a lot of people would say, boy, a $100,000 cash infusion to what I'm doing now would be awesome. I mean, that would be great. And I could do X, Y, Z. You said just a minute ago, it felt gross to you. What about mm -hmm. that process? made your gut just kind of go off and go, man, this is, this is not, this isn't for me. There was the tangibles and the intangibles. I mean, the intangibles was you can just, it just didn't feel right. You know, there, I couldn't put my finger on it, uh, but then there was the, the tangibles where it was okay. And it was even much higher than, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. And, but it was, all right, we're going to pay you out in a third, a third, a third. So a third cash, a third note, third stock. When you when you start to really look at the potential liabilities and that type of payout, your third cash is your only guarantee. Yeah, that's I mean right. a third a third stock. What I've learned since what I had a feeling about and the way they presented it, and then when I went and looked up afterwards, was when they do stock, like they can roll this into like a shelf corporation and and then run that into the ground to get you get your stock out, like and leave you high and dry. Like these guys are in it to suck every penny out possible so they structure not all of them but you know certain venture capital companies can structure things in a way where they bring you on it sounds sexy they pay you cash and then they strategically push you out and it's it's just part of the the equation for them um, well they know. can take that shell corporation damon to your point they can take that shell corporation move your stock to that corporation issue you stock from that new corporation and your stock when you signed your deal with the parent company could be, let's say $50 a share. They move that stock, they transfer that stock to the shell corporation, run that in the ground and your stock's worth a buck a share. Mm -hmm. You really yeah. take, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I appreciate you going there. I gotta ask you this though. And while you were telling me that, I'm like, man, that's, you know, that's something to, to look out for. What would 39 year old Damon, say to 25-year-old Damon starting his company, if you could go back in time, put your arm around your younger self, 
What's the one thing you would tell your younger self about starting the company? Probably what I was heading towards about um, scaling faster. I, I don't have any regrets in the business. Um, I There's those little things that we talked about that you learn along the way, and I'm proud to have learned those, and I'm proud to own 100% of the company still, and I'm proud of the team, which brings me back to your pandemic question here in a moment. But yeah. I, I probably would have scaled quicker is all. The same way, the same approach, but, but just sooner. Maybe instead of at year four or five, at year one or two. And I'd be curious where I'm at now. But overall, I'm super proud of where I'm at. And kind of to come full circle about your question earlier, when I was kind of losing my train of thought about what has the pandemic showed me, um, is that I'm really proud of how I've built the company. Because my team, I have about 20 employees now. And half of those are over in the Philippines. And when the pandemic started, it was the first week of March, I was in the Philippines. And if you, my longest team member is 11 years and I have never met him in person. I've never met, I've never met any of my team in person. Wow. And so I have 20 employees that I've never met in person. We talk all the time. We talk on Skype, we talk on the phone. Um, and, and we can talk about wedding, my team members' weddings here in a minute too. But here we are, 14 years into a business, 11 years into my longest team member, and I meet them for the first time in, in the Philippines, you know, half of them. And so I flew everybody in from different locations. We all came into this place called Palawan, and we had a hotel for like 10 days. And it was like we all, we all knew each other, you know, because we, we, that there's probably a story in here about how you can really build a trusted team environment like just because you're remote and you're decentralized it, it doesn't matter i mean people can tell if you really care about them so what the pandemic has taught me is that when, when it first started rolling out i was proud that i could come to my team and and satisfy their concerns you know their their friends were getting laid off left and right understandably um they understandably had concerns they understandably were worried about providing for their family and so it was it was really rewarding to to be able to go i i don't have anything to worry about and i did this the right way while everyone else while the world is falling apart i don't have, my clients are fine i'm fine my team's fine and so um it was kind of rewarding to say yeah to all the naysayers about whether it's like we talked about take money build it faster or treat your employees like a commodity or all the all, all the other things that you're kind of fighting up against in the traditional sense of business i was like no i was right like i, I got the i, I got i kind of got the last say in 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 that environment yeah i gotta ask you this because you you talked about the sense of calm that you had when the world was falling apart and that's so beautiful because again you were in control of your own destiny. You knew that, that what you had was working and things like that. What were you hearing from your clients? Were your clients sharing that same sense of calm or were they, they kind of freaking out themselves? And if they were, what, what was your message back to them? Um, it, it was surprisingly quiet. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really get a sense of panic. Um, we had, out of, out of all of our clients, we had one cancel and one ask to temporarily decrease their budget. Um, the one that decreased their budget has since turned it back up and brought a second account to us. And then the one that canceled was, um, they were in 
you know, vacations and outdoor kind of adventures. So understandably that all got shut down, but they sent me a message uh, about a month ago saying, Hey, we're going to turn this back on in the fall. So I've essentially lost nothing. And then on top of that, we probably boarded, I think we're at about eight new clients in this time span, which is like more than we usually board in a year. We usually only get a new client. You know, what's ironic is, um, we're having a marketing company. We don't do any marketing of our own. We, we just grow by referrals. And so we only get a new client, maybe two or three new clients a year. So the fact that we, we boarded eight or new clients in the midst of a global meltdown really says a lot. So we didn't have, we didn't really have anybody come to us panicking. And um, I think that's for maybe two reasons. Um, the, the smaller, the, definitely the smaller reason is I sent out an email and I, I just said, how are you guys doing? Like I just sent it out to all the clients. Um, but it was very personalized and, and it said, you know, I'm not pitching anything in here. Um, I don't have an agenda in this email. I'm just really curious. Like some people are up, some people are down. Like, where are you guys at? And um, I ended it with, if I can send you anything to make you laugh, I will be talking about sending random gifts. I said, I'm the master of sending potatoes and pinatas and like all these random things pinatas so full just, of potatoes yeah that would be good yeah, or add them together yeah yeah I, I said if there's anything i can do just get a laugh and you know just make the day feel normal for a day let me know and i had one client take me up and said yeah i'll take you up on the cupcakes and so i sent him cupcakes and um so i think just bringing that that peace of mind proactively helped a little bit but I, that was definitely the minority i think the bigger picture is that our clients like know that we have their best interest in mind and 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 there's this can go into a bigger business conversation but in times like the pandemic and in 08 so i started my business in 07 and then in 08 obviously we had a recession and from a business perspective, I don't have any negative memory of that time. I, I certainly remember the gray cloud that was over the world, but business grew. And um, I feel like that's kind of the same now because uh, during these types of moments, people want to work with people that they either feel they have a relationship with and or know they have their best interest in mind and will stretch their dollar further. And so it's been very normal. Um, it, it certainly feels different, but you know, if I look at it on paper, like, I got nothing to complain about. Well, Damon, what you what you've hit on there before we we dive into your your life story, what you've really hit on there is the joy of business because a lot of times you just reached out and said, "Hey, can I send you something that'll make you smile or make you laugh?" And a lot of times I think people forget about the joy of business. And, and it reminds me, and I used this quote on, on your podcast the other day when we were recording it, and I have to come back to it. Zig Ziglar said, people love to buy, they hate to be sold. Yeah, because yeah. there is a, an emotion inside of people that when they buy something they want and they get a great experience behind it, price might be they got a really great price and they were, they're euphoric that they put a few extra dollars in their pocket. But either way, when they're joyful about that experience, it does something psychologically in people. When they have a really good business experience, they're going to tell everybody about it. And, and so I love what you said about bringing the joy to business. I've got to park here for just a second before we get to your life story because when, when did you know, did you, have you always known early on that you wanted to bring joy into business when you did business with people? Mm -hmm. No, it was, it was one of those things where, um, 
just every once in a while, it was like, you know, it, it would kind of just come in, come into your mind where it's like, Hey, here's an opportunity to make somebody feel better. Or here's an opportunity to, you know, do something unique or stand out for the client. And so it, it was just the way I was, but it, I wouldn't say there was a frequency to it. And, and then when I realized that there was, um, you know, standout moments that would come from that, then I started making it more intentional. Uh, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't something I proactively conceived. It was something that I just kind of did naturally though, but, but it, over time I was more aware of, of how, how good it made people feel just on the personal level. And, um, there, I, I can't deny that there's business benefits to it, but that was after the fact and it, it was a bonus. It was just, I don't know. I don't have an answer. It was just, you know, one of those things that felt right. And, and, and you know, a lot of times the best things in business are exactly that way. This feels like what we need to do at this point, And it's a home run. It, mm -hmm. It's just, it, you knock it out of the park. You mentioned your life and, and your story a little bit, and you alluded to a couple of things. I want to dive deeper there because sure. that's, that's the one thing I love about the Intentional Encourager podcast and doing it is I want to find things about people's life. You mentioned being on a podcast and somebody was sharing with you afterwards about the, them having an eating disorder and depression that, that really, what you said really helped them. You're the oldest of seven siblings. Take me back as far as you want to take me back in your life journey and some pivotal moments that really shaped the man that you are today and the business owner that you are today. Yeah, I think the, the general story is that, um, you know, I learned a lot of what I did not want when I became an adult and I don't have super dramatic stories. I, I mean, a lot of people can relate that. Um, so grew up old seven moved a lot, I think as much as, you know, twice per year when I was younger and it was from one, you know, one family, friend's basement to another and I, I can't fault my mom for um you know doing what she had to do to keep a roof over her head but i i definitely th there are some she could have made more intentional decisions um but it is what it is and, and so it wasn't like uh, there's, no, there's no super sad story behind it but throughout that that experience as a kid uh, and even today in business I learned probably most from what I saw other people do wrong or see things they went through that I didn't want to go through. Um, even, even some of my last employers before I started my company was, was just the most toxic environments to work in. And I said, I didn't, I didn't want that if I ever had a business. And so it was like the same thing growing up, moving a lot when we bought the house we're in now, um, when we bought it, it was my wife and I, we've been married for 14 years and we bought this house nine years ago when our oldest, so we have three kids. Our oldest was um, 10 or 11 months at the time. He was just shy of one year. And so there's three of us, me my wife and our one kid at the time. And we bought a six bedroom, four bathroom house. That's 4,300 square feet, way bigger than we need. Yeah. But it was, it was very intentional because I didn't want to move. You know what they call that in West Virginia? They call it a mansion. A mansion, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I, I can't, I can't fault people for saying. That. I mean, this is a nice house, right? Yeah. Um, and so, but that was very intentional because I wanted to make that financial investment. And yeah, at the time, it was like a tight squeeze to make it happen. I wasn't 
concern, but I was, uh, it was more than I necessarily wanted to spend on a house, but now it's perfect because we've filled out every single room. So we have, you know, my wife and I have a room, my boys have a room, my daughter has a room, I have my office that we're in, and then the, the kids have, like, my kids and wife have a, a craft room slash, you know, pandemic work from home there's your school room <laughs> yeah. and then we have a guest, we have a guest room. We have no extra rooms now and we've filled it out perfectly. And, and so um, things like that are um, what I've really made a strong effort towards is like, okay, what, how can I provide a better life for my kids? How can I provide a better life? And not to spoil them. Like I don't buy them. I don't buy them toys. I don't buy them gaming consoles every day. They want a freaking Nintendo Switch and every day it's snow. And, you know, like I, I want to just give them roots and stability. And so I, that played a big part in me wanting to grind it out to be, to be able to provide that stability for my kids. Um, and then, like I said, with, with business, I've learned a lot, not from the good things from mentors, but from the bad things of people that did things that I couldn't respect or that I watched them dig their own holes. And, and so I've, I've always looked for opportunities as, as learning lessons. And um, so I, I never look back at like, oh, my life sucked uh, because I, I, it played a huge part in realizing the opportunities and circumstances that I probably would have missed otherwise. I gotta jump back here for just a second because you mentioned earlier, your dad's a big Minnesota Vikings football fan. What was that like? You, you said you'd, you'd never been to an NFL game. What was that moment like for you and your dad when you take him to, um, in the name escapes me, yeah. the, the, the big monster stadium there? In, Dome, in, yeah, what a, yeah. yeah. I, whatever, whatever corporate name they're calling it. But they had Super Bowl. I mean, it's like, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's huge. Yeah. What was that like for you and your dad to have that moment together? where you were taking him um, to, to that first NFL game and you could do that for him in that moment, Damon. I, I got to think that was so cool to do that. It, it's awesome. You know, and honestly, that, that's my thing. Like, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a pretty humble person. Um, I, I don't buy, you know, the, like, the reason why I say I'm humble is because I don't, like, my sense of excitement and you know, my equivalent to a Rolex watch is, is taking my dad to like seeing other people happy and experience new things is what I do. And I can give you a mile long list of the things that I do. Um, you know, there's a gentleman that I met on, um, he was part of my Facebook group in Australia. And, and just like when I was going to San Diego and I knew Mo lived there and I hit him up, well, this gentleman was flying from Australia over to Vegas. And, um, he says, how far is Vegas from Utah? And I said, close enough. And so I hopped on a flight and flew to Vegas and met this guy just because, and, mm -hmm. but I went above and beyond that. And I surprised him. I said, I'm going to pick you up at whatever, 11 o'clock in the morning. And, um, but he didn't know that I got a limo and he didn't know that we went to exotic racing after that. Cause he's a big car fan. And so I paid to have him drive with a professional drifter. And like, th it's the same thing with my dad. Like, um, I paid for him and uh, him and my stepmom to come out and go to a game and they didn't know, but my oldest son wanted to come. And so he flew with me because we flew on different flights. So my dad went a day or two before me and then me and my oldest son came out. And so when I got to the hotel room, it was like one o'clock in the morning. And so the, the next morning 
I paged my dad on, on, on the hotel phone and I said, hey, come over to my, my room. I want to show you something. And then my son jumped out of the closet and was like, grandpa, you know, like, it's just, I don't know. It's like super cool, but at the same time, it's, it's just my thing. Like, that's just my thing. Um, I really, uh, I have a really great appreciation for like being able to provide unique moments and memories to people. And, and so I hate to downplay how exciting it was, but it's just my thing. Well, and, and Damon, that's the thing is, you know, when, when you have an opportunity to do something for somebody else and, you know, for, for me, it's, it's always cooler when I can say, Hey, yeah, I've got a friend of mine that does this. Let me put him, let me put you in touch with him. And it's like, Oh man, that, that's exactly what I needed. Things like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really cost you anything to just be a giver to people mm-hmm. and just to, to do cool things like that. I've got to ask you this in, in the time that we have left, got to ask you, what's the biggest obstacle that you overcame in your life and the, and the greatest lesson you learned from that? Mm. Um, I could probably answer that from a business perspective and a personal perspective. Yeah. You take um, both of them. Go ahead. So on, on business, it was kind of what we touched on earlier about scaling. When I, uh, when I realized, when I came out of that VC meeting, I realized or I was reinforced that businesses primarily want two things when, when they acquire another one. So one thing is they want to take the keys and run. So you have to have, you know, turnkey processes. And then the other thing is they want to know where the fire is, the sales, so they could just throw more fuel on that fire. And so after that, I took and documented all of our processes. And so we had processes, but half were in my head and some were over on a spreadsheet and some were on this document. And so I, I sat down and consolidated them into a CRM and, and that sucked. That sucked majorly. I mean, it took like a year. So on top of working your regular business hours, on top of being a dad, on top of being a husband, um, it was like another two to three hours every other day for a year. Because when I documented those processes, I wanted to do it once and other than needing to make revisions down the road, like never do it again. I didn't want to half ass it. And so that was rough, but it's the best thing ever now because we are like, I can push a button and fire off 150 tasks to my team anytime we launch a new client. So um, business that I would say that personally, um, I about three years ago, I got an autoimmune condition uh, called eosinophilic esophagitis. So I'm gonna have a pop quiz on that tomorrow on how you spell that. Got it? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, hey, listen, you lose most people in my state when you got to the E, you know, the, the, you know, people (laughs) like myself, I'm like, wait, what? Carry the four, you know, yeah. Yeah. We'll call it EOE for short. So, um, yeah, EOE. I acquired the, I acquired this condition and, and basically the abbreviated explanation of it is everything that I eat hurts really bad. And so, um, there's no cure for it. There's like, you know, band-aids I can do to help, uh, get in, you know, eat when I can eat and things like that. But, um, that's, that's something I'm still going through and trying to figure out because I I think I've adjusted as much as possible and found kind of my new norm, but that's kind of a struggle for me because I've always been very algorithmic where I'm like, okay, like here's where I am now, here's where I want to be and reverse engineer the solution. So like, how do you reverse engineer a solution for something that there's no cure for? Or how do you adjust your life for no longer being able to eat this and only eat that? And, you know, how, how do you decide 
what to eat based on what hurts the least instead of what you want to eat. Um, so that's that's been something that's um, I think is more mentally exhausting than physically. I, you, you would think a lot of I'm sure a lot of people listening understandably are saying, "Oh, that would suck and that would hurt," and, and it does. But it's like the, the 24/7 mental exhaustion of. Uh, do I eat that now because I'm hungry or do I not because it's going to hurt after? Well, you, so, you know, you, you not in the same vein, but I had weight loss surgery 11 and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And I used to be able to sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream, not think yeah. anything about it or eat a bowl of cereal. Just take regular 2% milk or whole milk, whatever, eat the cereal, not think anything about it. Now, yeah because the sugar content, I'm like, listen, I'm going to foul myself up big time if I eat this. And so it's like, I might eat cereal a couple times a year, if that, Mm -hmm. two or three times a year. And I got to really be careful. Or I look at, if I want a candy bar, I'll look at how many sugars in the candy bar, because I'm like, I don't want to be, you know, not to be gross, but I don't want to puke my guts out over a candy bar. You know, so I understand some of that because you really have to train your brain to know what's going to hurt you and what's not going to hurt you and where yeah. you can go and what you, because when I first had my, my weight loss surgery, there were like for two months, my doctor was like, yeah, you're pretty much on a liquid diet. Yeah. Like you're really eating thing. You know, you really have to really be careful what you eat. And so I mean, I've been there, but what was with, with EOE? I've got to park here for just a, a quick second. With EOE, how have you, how has that made you sensitive to helping others with a similar condition? Have you really been able to um, be more empathetic or just really give to a higher level with people that are struggling with those physical ailments? For sure, yeah. It's um, definitely something that you're more aware of um, and you realize the magnitude of, I think what it's underscored for me is that what we all know that everybody's going through something uh, but for it to be something so simplistic as eating really kind of made me more in tune with that concept of of everybody's going through something and and being more sympathetic to it because if I were to tell somebody else without the whole story and just be like oh I got EOE and give them a really vague response of I gotta watch what I eat then half the people probably just go "Eh," you know but like if I really went into it then most people be like, holy crap, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Or if you look like me and you're, you know, you're, you're a big guy and there people, I'd uh, be like, yeah, I got to watch what he, like, yeah, sure, Toby. You, you really, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, it looks like you've been watching it go from here down to your gut, you know, and yeah. that's what it was when I was 360 pounds. Like, yeah, I'm trying to watch what, yeah, of course you're trying to watch what you eat, you know, but yeah, yeah, like, but, but, yeah. I, I've tried to be more patient with, um, so, so I, I'm kind of contradictory, uh, uh, kind of contradict myself a little bit because I'm, I'm very patient. I'm very understanding of people, but there's some things where I have short patience and it's um, largely like, if you have a problem and you know the solution, then go, the solution's right there. And, and so it's made me more patient in some of those circumstances where it's, um, you know, I've, uh, I've never been the one to care about people's weight but like maybe that's a good example is if in a if in a, an extreme example it was like well i'm overweight and you want to lose weight 
in that example, I'd be like, okay, well, go lose weight then, or go exercise, or go eat healthier. And that, that's probably a horrible example because I never go down that path. But that same type of concept is, well, I have a pro, I have this problem in my life, and there's a solution. And I'm always before I would be like, to me, it was very black and white. Like, there's the solution. Yeah. And so I've been much more patient with that gray area of people's individual circumstances um, to to be more sympathetic and. I understand the, the mental components that come with it, but, um, you know, and even, even in my, my own respect with EOE, um, like I said earlier, I always look for the positive. So I've, I've taken this as an opportunity to eat way healthier. I, I was never like a horrible eater, uh, perhaps maybe slightly better than the average American, <laughs> but, but now I've, I've eaten, you know, I eat way better. And so I've looked at this as an opportunity to say, okay, well, let's structure my diet in a way where I get my nutrients, my calories that I need, but let's do it without the, the things that I don't need. And, and so I try to look for the positive and things. You do realize you're talking to a guy that lives in a state that has, we have a restaurant chain, Damon. It's called Tudor's Biscuit World. <laughs> from, from five in the morning to like three in the afternoon, they're selling biscuits and gravy. They're selling comfort food. They're selling, yeah. and, and we've got like, 50 of them in the state and it's like all right no wonder we're the most obese no wonder west virginia is the most obese state in the country because we're always running to the biscuit place or the donut shop you know it's hard it's hard because i still want that convenience especially being a business owner and you know grinding it out like when i want to sit down and eat you know what you know what i've totally written off lately is um there's those healthy food meal deliveries like green chef and blue apron or whatever it is um which are awesome mm-hmm. every time every couple months like maybe maybe every six months i'm like ah yeah i should order that because it's healthy and then when i sit down to prepare it i'm like this sucks i don't have the patience <laughs> to sit down and like i don't want to chop up the the celery and and then mix it with the onions like I, and so i still have to battle the the health i, I am very I, i'm much more health conscious but I still don't have patience. <laughs> well, like I need a lot too. of that stuff is sexy for people because it's like, oh, look what we got in this box, and we're gonna, you know, the 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 marketing is is designed to where it's like, oh, you can cook at home and things like that. Listen, man, if I put in a twelve or thirteen hour day, I want to grab a pizza, you know, because it's like, good, you know, and I can imagine if somebody that grinds it out a little bit longer. They're just looking for something, man. It's like I'm hungry. What's available? And it's like I just that, started dumping the yeah. whole damn bag into the pan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like I think, oh, this will work. You know, yeah. It can't be that far off. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, smidge. You know, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want to end on this because again, I we end every podcast with this, but especially with you, man. I I so appreciate your time being with us today. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for the audience? Mm, I would, uh, a couple things come to mind. Um, earlier we talked about, I, I would say be comfortable in exploring, uh, whether it's, you know, your career or something else you're going through. Um, don't feel like you have to commit yourself to a path and then end up, and uh, you know, some of the most people, some of the most miserable people in the world are the people that prematurely committed to something that they thought would make them happy and when they actually get into it it doesn't so don't feel like obligated you know mo is a great example he says i'm 25 my family's 
bugging me to get married and have kids and how old were how old were you and I said I was I got married at 25 but we waited five years to have kids and all three of our kids were you know we were ready at the time and and I would say that that's okay to you know break from whatever the traditions are or the you know in in most circumstances it was cultural pressure and um I would say do what's right for you and and I I one of my team members recently got married and he's in the Philippines and he asked me to be his their godfather and that's twice twice I've been asked to be a godfather for somebody in the Philippines we didn't talk about um I'll give you a quick story um yeah four years ago four years ago two of my team members there they're a couple um got married and at the time my wife was pregnant so they invited us to go to the wedding but I didn't want to go halfway across the world while my wife was going to be due any moment and so we jokingly said why don't why don't you do a life-size cardboard cutout they got a life-size cardboard cutout of Damon. And so here I am, like this six-foot-tall cardboard cutout over like five-and-a-half-foot line of Filipinos. And there's a card, like how much does that have to say that somebody was willing to invite an artificial you in a real wedding line? And I'm in, I'm in all these pictures. Like I'm in, like I'm in the wedding as a cardboard cutout. <laughs> Dude, you're a revolutionary because now every major league, you know, you, you see baseball games. I know, isn't that funny? Cutout. Yeah, <laughs> you see the cardboard cutouts of people. It's like, look, you could, you could have done this five years ago, and been like, hey, don't have the opportunity to go somebody to somebody's wedding halfway across the country. Save your money. Send a cardboard Send a cutout cardboard of yourself. Cutout. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, um, you know, and and so these guys, more than once, somebody's asked, like, "Hey, you've been married for a long time. You're happy. Um, you know, what's what's your opinion?" And and to come full circle, I tell them, you know, do your own thing, and take and don't take the advice that you want from others, including my own. Like, ignore my advice if it doesn't resonate with you. Like, here's what I think sounds good, and here's from my outside perspective what might help. But if you disagree, then disagree. Like, just do be patient and do your own thing and pick your own path and don't feel obligated to, to corner yourself into other people's expectations. Man, what a great way to end this podcast. I have enjoyed this conversation, man. We've gotten into so many different things, which is what I wanted to do. And so I, I appreciate you being transparent and being open and sharing your story. Go to LinkedIn, find him um, at Damon Burton, D-A-M-O-N-B-U-R-T-O-N. Or you can also visit his company's website, www.seonational.com. Find him on Twitter at EntrepreneurDB. That's E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R-D-B. Damon Burton, man, this has been so good. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks so much. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.